we tell you the good news. What God promised our fathers, He has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus. As it is written in the second Psalm, You are my son. Today I have become your father. The fact that God raised him from the dead, never to decay, is stated in these words. I will give you the holy and sure blessings promised to David. So it is stated elsewhere. You will not let your holy one see decay. For when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He was buried with his fathers and his body decayed. But the one whom God raised from the dead did not see decay. Therefore, my brothers, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. <laughs> Through him, everyone who believes is justified from everything you could not be justified from by the law of Moses. Oh, take care that what the prophets have said does not happen to you. Look, you scoffers wonder and perish. I am going to do something in your days that you would never believe. Even if someone told you. As Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue, the people invited them to speak further about these things on the next Sabbath. When the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who talked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. When the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and talked abusively against what Paul was saying. Then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly. We had to speak the word of God to you first. Since you rejected and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honored the word of the Lord, and all who were appointed for eternal life believed. The word of the Lord spread through the whole region, but the Jews incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. So they shook the dust from their feet in protest against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Welcome to Acts. Christ's ministry continues our verse-by-verse -verse journey through an amazing book of 28 chapters, the history of the early church, how things began as the church took the baton from Jesus, the mission he assigned to them that he started, and they ran with it. And we are here today because they are faithful. And so it's our desire that we learn from their example. So today's text that you saw acted out dramatically uh, is verse 32 through 52 of Acts 13. Paul and Barnabas were two men of God divinely sent out from a church in Antioch to do a mission trip. <clears throat> 
to make new believers, to evangelize and plant churches. And they sailed from Antioch in Seleucia <clears throat> by ship across the Mediterranean to the island of Cyprus and trekked across Cyprus, ministering to people. And then they sailed from Cyprus to the southern coast of what is now known as Turkey, to Perga, and then uh, ministering to people along the way. They take a Roman road up to Pisidian of Antioch. This is a region of the world known at that time as Galatia. There's a letter written to the churches that they planted in this area called Galatians, a very important letter in your New Testament. And so in our text today, they are in the synagogue and were invited to speak. And so Paul got up and shared on their history as Jews and led them biblically, to the life of David, and then he segues from David to Jesus. Now, they knew about Jesus because they were a community on a Roman road. News does travel, and it had been 20 years since the resurrection, so the synagogue was familiar with the controversy that had happened back in Judea in Jerusalem 20 years previously. The empty tomb happened, and the appearances of Jesus, and the growth of the church, and here are emissaries or apostles of the church, missionaries, there to tell him about the Lord. And he's, he says here in verse 32, and we declare to you glad tidings, or good news, the gospel, that promise which was made to the fathers. Now he reminded them of their heritage, and their, their father was Abraham, and he had been promised that through his seed, singular, all the families of the earth would be blessed. So the promise that was made to the fathers, God has fulfilled this for us, their children, in that he raised up Jesus, as it is also said or written in the second Psalm, Psalm 2-7, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Now when was the son of God begotten? He's always been, and at Bethlehem, as the Word was made flesh, he was not begotten there. It was begotten at the resurrection. Today I have begotten you. So God's only begotten Son that we believe in is not the baby in the manger. It's the resurrected Christ on the other side of the cross in the empty tomb. Amen? And that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption. He has spoken thus... So he died, his body did not decay. I will give you the sure mercies of David. Now this is the promise of the gospel. What are the sure mercies of David? They are the promises made to David that David never inherited. But they still stand. They're messianic promises. And Christ fulfilled them. Therefore, verse 35, he says in another Psalm, 1610, you will not allow your Holy One to see corruption. That is, your Holy One, to decay in the grave. For David, after he served his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep, he died, was buried with his fathers, and saw corruption. His body decayed. But he whom God raised up saw no corruption. So Christ was the fulfillment of this promise made to David in Psalm 1610. Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man... Jesus, is preached to you the forgiveness of sins. And by him, everyone who believes is justified from all things from which you could not be justified 
by the law of Moses. Through the law of Moses comes the knowledge of sin. Law reveals violations. And the remedy for those violations is the sacrificial system that Christ fulfilled. But a lot of people do not understand the law also condemned people for which there was no forgiveness offered. You were cut off. There's like 36 transgressions by which you were cut off, some of which included the death penalty. But Christ gave the forgiveness of sins, and through him, everyone who believes is justified from all things. We say everything. everything. So everyone who believes is justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. Beware. Now here's a warning in the video of the people that were walking out on him. Beware, therefore, lest what has been spoken in the prophets come upon you. And he quotes Habakkuk 1.5. Behold, you despisers, marvel and perish. For I work a work in your days, a work which you will by no means believe, though one were to declare it to you. Be careful that you're not a fulfillment of this prophecy, that one is declaring to you the truth of, the, of, of Jesus, of God, of the Messiah, and you're not going to believe it. So be careful. You're not one of these people in Habakkuk 1.5. So when the Jews went out of the synagogue, the Gentiles begged that these words might be brought to them the next Sabbath. Verse 43. Now when the congregation had broken up, Many of the Jews and devout proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas. Devout proselytes were Gentiles that had converted to Judaism. They followed Paul and Barnabas after this, second, after this meeting, who, speaking to them, persuaded to them to continue in the grace of God. On the next Sabbath, remember, they were invited back by some people in the crowd. Almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews, that is the unbelieving Jews, because there were Jews that did believe, but the unbelieving Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy. Be kind of like if we uh, were having church like this morning and Judas Smith was at another church across town and nobody was here, the pastor would have to pray so that envy does not arise up in his heart. If you're wrestling with envy, this is not something to, to just be a victim to. We have a responsibility. We're to guard our hearts. Don't follow your heart. Guard your heart, for out of it flow the issues of life. When envy tries to get a hold of us, we have to be alerted by it and find somewhere to pray and say, God, get this thing away from me. Amen? Not good, because it'll cause sin. Contradicting and blaspheming. They were contradicting what they were preaching. They opposed the things spoken by Paul. Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, it was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first. Romans 1.16 says the gospel is to the Jew first. I believe that mandate, that priority, that protocol still stands today. It's to Jews first. So they all need to hear the gospel. But since you reject it and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles. It's a nice way of saying, well, since you want to go to hell, <laughs> now we're going to turn to the Gentiles. For the Lord has commanded us, meaning Paul and Barnabas and even to them, the unbelieving Jews, 
Isaiah 49.6 is, is this prophecy. I have set you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. This is fulfilled in Jesus. Through Jesus, the Jews are a light to the world that has reached the ends of the earth. Now, when the Gentiles heard this, verse 48, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord, and as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was being spread throughout all the regions. But the Jews, that is the unbelieving Jews, stirred up the devout and prominent women. Uh Uh-oh, don't get the sisters upset. And the chief men of the city, don't get the big dogs mad. And what happened? They raised up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and came to Iconium, and they had a pity party. No, they didn't. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Lord, speak to us today from your word in such a way that it impacts how we live. Lord, if it's just one thing that people are to hear, let them hear that and not let go of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's our introductory statement today. Having obeyed the Lord's calling by leaving the comforts of home and their supportive church there, then traveling thousands of miles by land and by sea to bring glad tidings, good news, the gospel to those who needed to hear it, Paul and Barnabas may have faced the temptation to get discouraged whenever they were persecuted by so many for whom they had given so much. When you consider what they had done to get there, walking across the mountains of Cyprus, which is like walking across Arkansas, sailing you know, two ship voyages and then walking many miles to get there, to be ran out of town, how unjust is that, when they're there to serve them? Who thinks they might be tempted to get discouraged? You may have yielded to the temptation to get discouraged, and you're discouraged today, and you have plenty of reasons to be discouraged. I hope this word today encourages you. You may be getting tempted to get discouraged, and I hope this word encourages you to not yield to that. And you may not have anything in your life to get discouraged about, but I would hope that you would be prepared to face things when they come, because they will come. So today, the topic is how to prevent discouragement. Can we say that? But how can you prevent something you already got? Like getting a flu shot after you got the flu, right? Well, change the title then. How to handle discouragement. Can we say that? You got the point. You may think you live here on the corner of Discouraged Lane and Hopeless Boulevard. But the good news is Jesus loves you and the story is not over yet. So we have eight points we're covering today. They are not like the ingredients of a recipe. They are not eight steps to your next miracle. Each one of these points will change your life. So listen for the one you need to grab a hold of and apply it. Number one, they preach the good news of Jesus. What is the good news of Jesus? That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him would not have to perish 
but might have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the world is already condemned. The law has proven that we are guilty of sin. And Christ came to redeem us from sin, pay the perfect price on the cross, and proved it was paid from the empty tomb with his resurrected body, ascended back to heaven 40 days later, and sent the Holy Spirit to fill his people and empower them to continue his ministry. This is good news, right? And so by proclaiming the good news of Jesus, when you encourage somebody, you get encouraged yourself. Proverbs 1 says, uh, Proverbs 11 says, he that waters is also watered himself. King James says, he that watereth will also be watered himself. So we've been going at this for a bunch of weeks, going through the book of Acts, and along the way featuring different people in the church who are ministering outside the auspices of this campus, outside of our borders, uh, outside of the bulletin, outside of permission from, from some you know, church bigwigs, to, to be able to minister, because you've been delegated as believers to do something to make a difference in your place of business and in your homes. And so we've heard from some people like that, and today we're going to feature another couple, Carl and Julie Kasvick. Come right on. They do a weekly Bible study at Villa's Nursing Home. Actually, it's a rehab center now, right? Yes. Granberry Rehab Center, Yes. Yeah, well, it's been a real joy. We've been there about two years now. Uh, when we first started there, we only had about maybe six people, seven show up. We have more than doubled that at this point. Uh, and God is really blessed preaching the gospel to them, preaching through the Bible verse by verse through John and Romans. has opened a lot of eyes of people. We've seen people uh, saved one 88-year-old man who came thought I was only there for his money. And if we don't take any, by the way, we just give what God puts on our hearts to give to them. And uh, we've seen people heal. But people are being blessed there. People are being filled with the Spirit. People are just growing. We even have people who are the caregivers out here and the workers out there uh, are hearing the word of God, and they're coming up to us afterwards going, would you pray for me? Would you pray for this person? We, I need a healing. I need this in my family's life. We know you're a man of God, a woman of God, and it's just been such a blessing. And some of them are starting to actually drop in to the Bible study and sneak in and try to take in part of the lesson. So it's been an, a glorious experience in the Lord. It's just blessed us. So you're blessing the staff who many times have to work on Sunday, right? Yes. That's yeah. great. Julie, what has this ministry been to you? Have you gotten encouraged while you're encouraging? Well, you can't uh, stay discouraged when you yield yourself as a vessel for God's love. When God's love is flowing through you, the discouragement goes away. And, you know, um, my mother's in a nursing home in California. She's 90 years old. Now, I haven't seen her in seven years, but... I can see other people's mothers, and I can minister to them, and I can hug on them and love on them and hold their hand when they're in pain, and it, it's a blessing. It really is. That's great. Awesome. Thank you. All 
Our community has other nursing homes, uh, uh, sorry, rehab centers. You know, when, <laughs> when baby boomers get old, they don't go to nursing homes, they go to rehab. <laughs> I don't want to go to rehab. So we have other ones, and each rehab center has an activities director just praying if they're Christians, God, help me come up with something for these people to do. That's their job. So if the Lord would lead you to do something like this, just, you know, come up with a month, you know, like, okay, I'll do it for four weeks and see how it goes. And just pray about which one to check out. They're in the yellow pages. You know where some of them are. You've been to some of them probably. And just go meet the activities director and brainstorm. And who knows what may come out of that. You may team up with someone like Carl and Julie or somebody else or do something on your own and take somebody with you. You know, Carl and Julie are together to encourage each other. And uh, by encouraging, I think last week you had 16 people there, right? Yeah, so it's growing. So this, the fields are white unto harvest, Jesus said, but the laborers are few. There's opportunity to serve, and that's the missing ingredient in many Christians' lives. So, how to prevent discouragement? Preach the good news of Jesus wherever the doors open. We bring to you glad tidings, the promise made to the fathers. God has fulfilled this for us, their children, in that he raised up Jesus. Number two, how to prevent discouragement? They enjoyed the forgiveness of sins. Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man is preached to you the forgiveness of sins. And by him, everyone who believes is justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. Sometimes when we get discouraged, it's because our emotional cart is just overloaded. One more thing, and I, you know, I'm ready to crater. But what if on your emotional cart is guilt, unforgiveness towards yourself or somebody else? Let the forgiveness of Jesus clean that stuff out. And that will lighten the load so that you can encourage yourself in the Lord, so that you can encourage. Well, I'm not worthy. Well, who is worthy? Who is worthy for God to send his son to die for them? Who's worthy? None of us are. Yeah, but I'm really unworthy. Well, Jesus' cross happened to be one designated for a criminal named Barabbas, which happens to mean son of God, Bar Abba, Abba's child. And isn't it significant that Abba's only begotten child was to die on a cross for one of his God's other children? You are one of God's children. And we will never be worthy of what Christ did for us on the cross, but he imputed righteousness to us, which makes us worthy. So receive that forgiveness he has for you and extend that forgiveness to everybody else. They continued in the grace of God for all. Now, when the congregation had broken up, many of the Jews and devout proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. What is the grace of God? It's his unmerited favor. It's his undeserved mercy. It is his continuous love that is unconditional. You can't put a price on it. And we receive it for ourselves, and we are to give it to others. 
So if your emotional card is filled with grudges towards other people, no wonder you're discouraged. Lighten that thing. Let the Lord take away your grudges. Well, I'll forgive them, but I'm not going to trust them. Well, trust has to be rebuilt. But if you hold on to unforgiveness, you'll never trust anybody. You'll wind up living by yourself, full of bitterness, totally discouraged, feeling like this is stamped on your forehead. Loser. When in reality, Jesus died to set us free from our sins and everybody else's sins. And it's because of his grace, continue in it. The grace that got us started is a grace that will help us finish. The grace that led us on is a grace that will lead us on. Number four, how to prevent discouragement. These guys responded to opposition by becoming pipsqueaks. No, by boldness. They reviewed their calling. They knew they didn't put themselves where they were, so they were bold. Then Paul and Barnabas, after being threatened, grew bold and said it was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first. But since you reject it and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles. You know, you're on fire with envy. Let me pour some gas on that fire. (laughs) Like, Paul, back off. You're going to get stoned here. They just became bold. Stand up to the bully. If you know what you're doing is right, obviously be wise. But don't back down. Get a spine. Trust in God's grace to lead you. Now, with that being said, let's balance it. They believe God gave eternal life. So if they were to be stoned, they were to be killed, guess what? Bye-bye, old body. Hello, sweet Jesus. Be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. Present with the Lord. Present with the pleasant presence of the Lord. <laughs> Acts 13, 48. When the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. As many as were appointed to eternal life believed. Our job is to declare the good news. God's job is to convince people that what we're saying is true. Humanity is so wicked, they need God's help to save them. So all the credit, total credit for our salvation goes to God. Who knows that's true? So as many as were appointed to eternal life, they became believers. John 1, 11 says this about Jesus. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. That's acted out here in Acts 13. But whoever received them, he gave them power to become the sons of God, to all who believe in his name, who were born not from blood, nor from the desires of the flesh, nor from man's willingness, but from God. When you got saved, it was not the desire that you had within yourself that saved you. It was God putting a desire there. It was God putting a hunger there. It was God making making us thirsty for living water, opening our eyes and believing the gospel. I mean, think about the gospel story. That is impossible to believe unless a miracle happens in your mind. And Christians have been known to face death and even torture without recanting their faith in the good news of Jesus. Why? God gave it to them. The world didn't give it to me, and the world can't take it away. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Ephesians 2.8 says that. Our salvation is a gift of God. The grace that saves us is the gift of God, and the faith through which we are saved by grace, is a gift of God. Saving faith comes from God. Jesus said this in 
John chapter 6, verse 37. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. Verse 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Verse 65, therefore, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my Father. So the credit for our salvation is God's totally. No one has enough sense to get in out of the rain and to avoid his judgment were God not the one to initiate mercy in our lives. Well, I made the right choice. Yes, you did. And who gave you the ability to choose and who helped you make that choice and who helped you see it was a no-brainer? God. So how to prevent discouragement. Preach the good news of Jesus. Enjoy the forgiveness of sins. Continue in his grace. Respond to opposition with boldness and believe in your God-given eternal life. He gave it to you. You didn't give it to yourself. He gave it to you. And because he gave it to you, if you get out of line, he will correct you because whom the Lord loves, he chastens. Who knows, God can give a whooping that no parent can. And to me, that brings security to my heart and peace. He's gonna keep me. No one can snatch me out of his hand. How to prevent discouragement? Sometimes you gotta know when to fold them, know when to walk away and know when to run. They knew when it was time to move on. Our text says, but the unbelieving Jews, the Jews stirred up Delilah and prominent women and the chief men of the city raised up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from the region. What did they do? Went right back? Nope. They shook off the dust from their feet against them and came to Iconium. Now, it was a Jewish custom uh, when you went to a holy place that you would shake the dust off your feet. If you come through some unclean territory that wasn't right spiritually, you would take your sandals off and dust them off and clean, wash your feet and all that stuff. Symbolic language saying, it's a new day, I want to walk in holiness. Well, they did that against them and then came to Iconium, which to me is a mystery because Iconium has a word icon in it, and icon relates to the word idol. So things didn't go real well for them there either, though. But yet God backed them up. Now, did they give in to discouragement? No. They were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. There's no greater remedy for discouragement than the fullness of God's Spirit. Are you being slandered? Are you being betrayed? Has someone lied about you? Have you been robbed, vandalized, and abused? Fullness of the Spirit gives you courage to go on. Let's just pause right now and receive this prayer. Lord, I pray that you would generate in us a hunger for fullness of the Spirit just like you did with the hunger to be saved. Generate in us a desire to be filled with you, to not succumb to the temptation to try to live life by our own strength, but to want to live life by your power. Fill us with your Holy Spirit even now, even today. Before the sun goes down, Lord, may we make space in our life to commune with you. 
The joy that is our strength, the joy that is yours, the joy that is the fruit of the Spirit is our inheritance. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, if you were to cut your Bible in half, it would cut right through. There's an even number of verses in the Bible. So if you took the number of verses and cut the number of verses in half, you would end the first half with Psalm 103, verse 1, begin the second half with Psalm 103, verse 2. Psalm 103, verse 1, that ends the first half of the Bible is, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Psalm 103, verse 2, that would begin the second half of your Bible, says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Now, why does it say that? It's possible to have benefits and forget them. It's possible to have benefits and not, um, not enjoy them. Possible. It's possible to have a contract that includes a tour bus, right, Pastor Shea? And be part of a band that does not believe the contract. And so you travel from coast to coast in an international scout pulling a trailer, opening for bands like Bruce Hornsby and Bonnie Raitt and other big names, right? Coast to coast, parking your scout with your four guys crammed in it between these big tour buses. Five guys. And then the wheels come off the scout, so you rent a, a U-Haul and kind of but turn it into a camper in the back room for your equipment, all that, and then, then there's a wreck in the middle of the night. And then you call the, the uh, tour company, the concert company, and they send a tour bus for your band. And Shay got to tell these young guys who are know-it-alls, you know, sometimes young people know more than old people, say, guys, I've been telling you for months we had access to a tour bus. We've been living below our privileges. They couldn't believe it. God loves you so much, he wants to fill you with his spirit every day. Do you know what? Being close to God is not just an inheritance for someone like Billy Graham or Heidi Baker or pick your favorite Christian star. It's for you. You and I are as close to God as we want to be. Did you know that? That might offend you, but you are as close to God as you want to be. How close do you want to be to him? It takes time to commune with him, be filled with the Spirit. There are benefits. Read. Read the contract. <laughs> Many times we're discouraged simply because we're living below our benefits, forgetting them. Number eight, these men stayed together and did not quit. How to prevent discouragement? Don't get off by yourself. Proverbs 18.1 says, a man who isolates himself seeks his own desire, and rages against all wise judgment. I want to be in the mully grubs and leave me alone. I felt like that before. Now, it happened in Iconium. This is the next chapter, getting ahead of myself here, that they went together. Paul and Barnabas didn't split up. Unlike John Mark, they didn't run back home to mama. They stayed together, stayed on mission. And what happened? They went together to the synagogue of the Jews. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? And so spoke that a great multitude, both of the Jews and of the Greeks, believed. 
But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles. Did they say, oh, here we go again. Let's go ahead and leave before the rocks start flying. No, they stayed and look what happened and poisoned their minds against the brethren. Therefore, they stayed there a long time. How were they able to do that in the face of threats and opposition? Encouraging each other. Carl and Julie some night may have a gurney come in and wheel out one of their attendees. <laughs> I mean, it is a point that the man want to die, wants to die, right? And people at the rehab center sometimes don't get rehabbed and they go on to their eternal reward. And that could be a discouraging Bible study, right? Now, generations, nobody dies here. A gurney would come in and you'd be pronounced onto your eternal reward at a hospital somewhere. But anyway, um, but they wouldn't get discouraged because they have each other to encourage each other. You know, hey, wait a minute. This is normal. This is life. This is part of life. He's appointed and the man wants to die. It was her or his appointment time and they just happened to be during our Bible study. So let's not quit. So they stayed there a long time in spite of the opposition. And what happened? They were speaking boldly in the Lord who was bearing witness to the word of his grace. Now, it's amazing that they stayed together because Barnabas was an encourager. Paul was the bold one. Barnabas could have said, Paul, you know, we might still be in Antioch of Pisidia if you had just toned it down a little bit. No, they stayed unified. And God was bearing witness to the word of his grace. How? Granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. Is that not awesome? In the face of opposition, God can do incredible things in spite of it all. Some of the greatest times in my life has been when I've been facing the greatest needs, the most opportunities to be discouraged, yet God is using us in spite of all that. Why does he operate like that? Because he gets all the glory. <laughs> I know it wasn't in my strength. You ever feel like you're living here between a rock and a hard place? Don't isolate yourself. Stay with other believers. Don't quit. Be faithful in the assignment he's given you. Seek to be filled often with the Holy Spirit and his joy. Know when to, it's time to move on and know when it's time to stand. Rejoice in the eternal life that God has given you. Do not forget your own testimony. Respond to opposition with boldness. Continue in God's grace for yourself and everybody else. Enjoy the forgiveness of sins that is yours. Rejoice in that and share the good news everywhere you go. Maybe you're not living between a rock and a hard place. Well, I've got bad news for you. Your time's coming. Jesus said, in the world you will have tribulation. These things I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Oh, the Bible really says that? Yes, it does. Yeah, I'm trying to give women a break with my fake voices. Yes, it does. Well, I never saw that in my promise box. Well, welcome to the whole Bible. You'll never see in here a promise for a rose garden. And yet, if he did promise a rose garden, guess what? Roses have... There you go. 
If Christ's ministry is to continue through us, we have to be willing to face discouragement, face temptations to be discouraged, and not surrender, and be bold, and push forward. There are times to push, there's times to stand, there's times to run, and there's times to rejoice. But it's always time to commune with the Lord in His Spirit. Let's pray. Lord, I thank You for Your Word. I pray that our lives would line up with Your will that You have for us. I pray, Lord, if there's people here that need to be doing things outside the auspices of this congregation, serving out there in the harvest field, I pray, Lord, You would convince them today that it's time to step out and take some risks. I pray, Lord, for those that are discouraged, I pray, Lord, that you would encourage them to find someone to encourage today and to seek to be filled with your Spirit. And if nothing else, Lord, may they remember and never forget the story's not over, that this too shall pass, and that they still have a future, and as humans who are saved, they have eternal life. Everything else is temporal. Help us, Lord, to never yield to the beggarly elements of this world nor the circumstances that life would bring to us. In Jesus' name. Help us, Lord, to be faithful, to serve during this hurricane season wherever you open the door for us to serve and make a difference. In Jesus' name. Help people to know they have permission to go out and do stuff for your glory. And Lord, may they not do it alone, but may they encourage others to join them. In Jesus' name.